I'm here with uh, Alex von der Haar. Is it, by the way, Dutch? Because I wanted to ask that, but we're, we're live. Is it Dutch? Because it seems Yeah, it is. Thought so. Yep. Of the hair. Dutch people. <laughs> Dutch people. <laughs> Dutch people. Um, Alex is, is probably the most special guest that I interviewed uh, so far. This guy is a genius marketer. He combines neuroscience with marketing and he has done over 26 million in revenue uh, with an, only an ad spend of 4 million, which is, if you calculate that, that's an insane 6x return on investment. Uh, he works with some of the biggest brands, well, very big brands in the world. And uh, he's just a genius marketer. And you, you guys are going to enjoy him so much because we, we've been talking before. Uh, before we went live and we were talking about how when I paid I, I paid him $20 to, uh, to get into his program which by the way I want to check out and what, he, what this guy did is he sent me a, a little note like he sent it uh, like just in a letter like real life offline he, he wrote a handwritten letter and he sent it to me and we were talking about how that boosts his engagement crazy so maybe just to start off with like like maybe you can tap into that a bit more because i'm doing a bad job at explaining but just a handy sure. letter concept like was was new to me and it was so insane yeah totally so thanks for having me on this is i'm super grateful and super honored to be here uh, i love what you're doing with the group how you're building it out and really getting that to grow and push mm -hmm. um yeah so anytime that any customer comes into our business anytime they call us and ask us a question or anything from a purchase, you know, whether it's $5, $20, all the way up to if they're spending six figures with us, right? No matter where they're at, we're super big into the idea of gifting. Uh, but I love writing handwritten thank you notes. And I have everybody on my team write handwritten thank you notes too. And it's really awesome because it acts for two purposes. There's obviously the touch point, like you talked about how it reached you. And then you, you came back to that experience of buying the product or service or getting to talk with us over zoom or over the phone or in person. So it brings you back to that moment of happiness. So where most businesses stop, we continue to push and see how far we can push the happiness envelope with our customer journey and our customer experience. So that's the first area of with it. The second really hidden gem that nobody talks about with this is that it installs gratitude within ourselves as a company, right? That no matter where you come to us, no matter where you're at on your journey, we're here to serve and we're here to provide you with value. And I'm super big on the idea of using marketing to push happiness, to push positive energy and emotion out into the marketplace and not market on ideas of fear or FOMO or right or degradation like towards where the customer or the client feels like that they're not good enough or not smart enough or not capable of achieving anything they want to and that reflects back within our company culture too and when we when we allow our employees to write these handwritten thank you notes it installs gratitude in them and installs our core values as a company over and over and over so they see and they they can watch that transformation happen and with that it it means a happier culture. It means that no matter where they're at in our process, if they're in the operation side of helping us run ads, or if they're in the sales side of out there customer facing, they get to see the happiness go throughout the entire customer cycle, which is really important. So insane. So probably for everybody listening, they're like, how did this guy get here? Like, like what got you here? And what were those defining moments? Like, were you just a normal guy? Like, did you, were you raised up differently? Like, do you have different genes? Or like, what made you get to this? <laughs> no, uh, I'm no different. I'm super normal and laid back. Um, as far as how I got here, I initially wanted to go. So in high school, I was 
really into art and music. Uh, I still am as an individual. I still draw, paint, play guitar. Um, but one of the things that really pulled me in is I wanted to do CGI for movies, right? Something totally off the chart, something totally different than what I'm doing now. Um, and then after talking with family and my girlfriend at the time, they were like, you know, you're really good at science. You've got a decent grip on it. Let's see what you can do with that and really push that more as a career. So I was going through and I made the decision to go into school for neuroscience and psychology, kind of out of spite, but kind of at the idea of, you know, I like the idea of seeing how humans behave and what really drives us to these higher purposes and what are really the like hidden levers behind the scene. So I went through, got my schooling done and I was trying to find a job afterwards. Couldn't find one, went through every single pharmacy agency that you can find in the U S nobody would hire me. Uh, went through like the traditional good boy route, as I call it, of, you know, you do well in school, you do all the extracurriculars, you make yourself into a well-rounded human, and by no doubt, somebody's going to pick you up as an employer, right? Not the case. So I ended up finding somebody, a small business right out of college, and I got hired on for minimum wage, which is around $8 in the U.S. So making that, trying to, you know, just build myself up as a young individual and young man, and really try to look. And in that role, we started to focus on digital marketing. We started to look at how are Facebook ads, Instagram ads, Google ads, YouTube pre-roll ads really going to affect their business. Um, and as a small business, they really didn't have a large budget to do this with. It was maybe like $1,000 a month, which for marketing and advertising isn't really a lot of money when we look at you know what a lot of even small to medium-sized enterprises are spending month over month. And within 18 months, we started to really scale their business and we did it into a multi seven figure business within about 18 months. And after that, I was like, hey, I need more than minimum wage. I need to start, you know, earning a little bit more. And I got repeated no's. So once again, life kind of shot me down as far as I have these expectations of where I would be when I delivered a performance and I was brought back down to a very humble level. And so after, um, after a while of, you know, trying to push and get more income and trying to develop myself more, I was at a point where I, the employer wasn't going to do it. We weren't going to move forward. So January 1 of 2018, I started my own digital marketing agency. And it really wasn't until the middle of that year that I really realized how much neuroscience and psychology application we were using. And we switched our model and the way that we approach business and the way we approach advertising and we really shifted into more of the neuromarketing field. So looking at neuroscience research and looking at the hidden levers that operate within social media platforms and how they interact with our bodies, how they interact with our habits and really layering all that perspective into our campaigns. And now that's what drives all of our businesses and all of our success stories that we formulate and that we work with because it's all based on the fundamental principles of psychology and neuroscience. And I think that's what really a lot of good marketing is centered around is the human element. So insane. So, so, so with your first company, you, did, you, you brought it from low six figures or what were they doing to multi seven figures? Uh, the first year they were in business, they did $100,000. And then after that, we brought them into 2.2 million within about 18 months. And we, you mean you, or who, who was you, who was we? It was, it was me and one other individual. Um, he, he really focused, he was really good at creating like catchy titles. And that's one of the skills I'm still really learning to adapt myself is good copywriting. Mm -hmm. I think it's a skill that it's a very long tail skill, right? It's not like learning to ride a bike where once you get it, you really get it and you kind of take off. There's always new, new little nuances and layers that go into copywriting 
that are truly artful and masterful when they're done correctly. And it's still a skill I'm learning. And I think it's a lifelong pursuit as well. Um, but yeah, there's formulas. Yeah, there's kind of like outlines as to how this should work. But to be fully creative and fully involved and unique with every piece of it, it takes a lifetime to truly master. So that's one of the things we're working on. Writing is so difficult. You keep finding new, yeah. things, new holes, new holes in your game. And then every, yeah. every part of copywriting is different. Sales letters, uh, the way you do Facebook organic marketing, the way you do Facebook marketing for your profile, every single thing is different. So, so how, could, could you go a little bit deeper into that? Because you said like after you made that company, like you and the other guy made the company go to seven, multi seven figures. Did they not pay you more or did, did you go back to it? They, they didn't yeah, I was, still, I was still making $8 an hour. Uh, the most I ever reached was 10 and that was during like holiday season. That's insane. And then it was managing two, two physical brick and mortar locations and doing all their digital marketing and ads. So it's not like I was just sitting at home on a computer. Like I was doing customer interactions, like face to face appointment setting, cleaning, uh, top to bottom. And yeah, I mean, it was fully involved. I was managing both locations. So, you know, it was really, it was really a defining moment because it was when, in my life, I started to determine what self-worth was to me and where I wanted to hang my morals and my values and where I really saw my morals and my values within myself too. Um, before then, you know, it was kind of easily to be persuaded and not manipulated, but just swayed into different situations in life. And that was really where I started to kind of narrow that in and really get a, almost a spotlight focus on where I wanted to go with my life, what I wanted to achieve and who I wanted to be around in that process insane so insane okay so, so what's different about you like, like what are things that you you are doing that other people are not doing like what are some different character traits uh, what are just some differences yeah uh, i can kind of walk through my daily routine it's sure. taken a lot of time to kind of get that down and where i feel comfortable i think the biggest thing is for people to find a lot of self-reflection on how they operate, when they operate and what their rhythms look like internally. We can shift those and manipulate those a little bit, but overall in the human, I think a lot of that is pretty well ingrained. So for me, I know when I need to wake up and then I know about how much time in the morning I need to go over uh, my notes that I have for myself. I write out all, everything I'm gonna do for the next day, the night before and I write it down in a journal, I'm very big on handwritten because it imprints into our brain deeper. There's a physical touch and reaction that you don't get from a keyboard and it's linked up with personalization. The keys are very impersonal when you're typing stuff out and handwritten is very personal. It's your own language that your brain receives back to you. So I'm very big on that. I keep it with me pretty much all the time and I go through it pretty religiously. So I map out my day, I wake up, I go through, I get my coffee, I do my morning kind of routine that I have. And then I go straight into a workout. It's typically anywhere from 45 to 60 minutes of cardio. I come back, I decompress from that. And then I go straight into work. And I'm, I'm probably don't work as crazy insane hours as a lot of people would think. But I make sure that during that time, my cell phone's turned off. I'm not being distracted by anything else besides what the task is at that moment. And it's very segmented and blocked out inside of time. So that way I know pre ahead of time, like, so I need to get out of each individual block. Uh, outside of that, I read 10 pages a day and I try to practice guitar for at least 30 minutes a day. Um, both of which allow me to start to piece together different levels of information from different sources. So from guitar, 
I'm constantly looking at new songs to learn, uh, different ways to think about stacking chords and different progressions and how to hear them differently and what those voicings look like from books. It's a lot of developmental books. Uh, so whether that be I'm learning more about psychology or neuroscience, or I'm learning about habits, or I'm learning about buying power, or I'm learning about different copywriting techniques, anything that's going to serve me in different ways. And it's not even always books. A lot of times I'm reading research papers and research articles from different publications and journals out there on different ways, like how creativity works in the brain or how we start to piece together uh, motivations and desires into habits. So there's a lot of different things I try to combine because I don't think I don't think if we, I think if we narrow down on one piece of information, we truly don't get a broad scope of education. So as I'm looking at this, I'm constantly thinking about where can I pull different levels of information from and how can I make these connections? Insane. And you enjoy doing that, right? Like you yeah. really like doing that. That's I, it's, it's, it's almost compulsory that I feel like I miss, I feel like I didn't really live a good day if I don't do these activities. That's one of those traits that almost everybody that's at the multi-million multi-million level has like those obsessive behaviors about getting better by just doing that one thing like over and over and over yeah they love it so much um it truly does have you can't be doing it for the money because it's not going to motivate you once like once you get it it doesn't motivate you anymore so you have to be fueled by multiple different factors um i'm also I'm also really big into mentoring. And I think that mentors in our life serve a tremendous purpose and picking the right one or two is monumental in your success. And I think your mentors need to be fundamentally different than where you're at today in order for them to be effective in what you want to do with your life. So if you're at a spot where uh, you don't feel very spiritual and you feel like that that's one of the main callings you have in your life, you need to find somebody that's fundamentally different that challenges your way of thinking Otherwise, you're going to get frustrated with the mentor in the sense of you already kind of know what they're going to give you in feedback, and there's really not going to be any progress. Same thing with business. I belong to a group called the Arate Syndicate, which is a group run by Ed Milet and Andy Purcell, and those are my biggest two mentors that I have. Um, and when I'm in there, it's true. I'm truly surrounded by people that think differently. Even on last night's call that we were on, Half of it was business and the other half was Ed giving us mental tools in order to start to bring our visions and our dreams closer to us and our subconscious mind while we're out focusing on daily different tasks. Mm -hmm. So it's these, right, it's those one to two degree shifts that we do in our life that truly stack and compound over time. And I think, I think for myself, when I was first starting out in business, I was looking for those 20 to 30 degree shifts that were going to transform my business in like a month or two, right? And what I've learned is that it's the one to two degree habits that you stack day in and day out multiple times a day that really stack into those big monumental changes. It's not when the big promise of the 20 to 30 degree shift, it's the, hey, we're going to increase this by half a percent to a percent every single day, and it's going to really add up. And that's the nuance because to the outside world, it looks like, oh, he just made a giant leap. But to you, it's just incremental changes. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's poor communication on our part for the people that are working on that because we're so ingrained and entrenched and this is what we do that we, we miss that communication mark. And it's something I'm trying to really express with my team. Um, and as I'm building them out and developing them as leaders and individuals, I really have to step back and say, okay, this is truly what I'm doing on a minute by minute basis. And here's kind of the thought process as to how and why.
because I want them to be where I'm at. I actually want them to surpass me to a degree. So we're constantly playing this game of staying one or 2% away from each other, but they still feel that slight disconnect because I think it's empowering and it's actually beneficial inside of business to play that little bit of cat and mouse. It's, it's, it's to me, it feels like almost like a, an AI, like, like you, you create a plan, you create a schedule and then you give it to somebody in your team. And I'm, I'm nowhere near the team that you have, but, I give it to somebody in my team and I'm like, here, make it better. Especially lead generation, like mm -hmm. how to reach out to people. I'm like, here's the script that I've figured out. This will give you results. Now make it better. And yeah. then if every single person makes it better, you just have like your own AI making things better and better and better. It makes such a difference. Yeah. And being able to find people that think differently, right? Because like I said, you don't want the same echo chamber of those around you. Otherwise you're going to repeat the same mistakes and you're not going to think about problems differently. And then you have a lot of people that are afraid to speak up and say one thing or another. You know, I was listening to a really interesting podcast uh, with a, guy, a neuroscientist named Andrew Huberman, and he runs a lot of different labs within uh, Stanford. But he talked about this idea that, you know, you need, you need people that are willing to dissect arguments and you need people that are willing to lump and kind of accumulate mm -hmm. arguments all together and just kind of take a generalized view and how you need to stack those to kind of get the best results. And he's saying, you know, if you have a group full of everybody that's just gonna lump all this information together and deliver it to you, that's great. But you really need like one or two people on a panel to be able to kind of slice and dice the fine details. So that way, every single thing that's being stated is being challenged in some way. Is this truly as thought through and as refined as it could be? Because if you have a group of people that are just gonna lump information together, you're gonna miss those small nuances that really, add up to those big differences like what we were talking about earlier. So genius. <laughs> I love just talking to the others. I, like one thought that popped into my mind when I was listening to the was like, I'm so lucky to do this interview. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm even learning so much. Would you be able to go into like the, the mastermind or even like, maybe even for the listeners, like, like you pay an insane amount of money to join them, right? Like to just be around those people. Yeah. Uh, so you're referring to Arate? Yeah. Yeah, so Arte Syndicate was formed by Ed Milet and Andy Fursella. Ed Milet is one of the top chairmen of World Financial Group, which is a powerhouse in the United States and all around the globe, too. Um, and then the other one, Andy Fursella, he runs Supplement Superstore, First Form, uh, four, uh, 477 Media, and he's got Unavito, which is a tequila company. Ed Milet's a serial entrepreneur, too. They're both worth eight and nine figures, easily hand and foot. Uh, and they're growing rapidly. But Arte Syndicate is a force for good out there in the universe for business owners and business executives. And we all kind of relate around the same nine principles as to how we drive our business, how we operate our life. Our core values are creating a positive global impact, leadership through action, doing the right thing, even when nobody's watching. So that's typically when somebody is, right? The whole shopping cart at the grocery store example. The fourth one is being humble. The fifth one is operating from a place of discipline. The sixth one is commitment to dominating anything you put your mind to because that's typically the biggest barrier of success is what lies behind the ears and behind the eyes. The seventh one is understanding that good isn't enough. And I think COVID totally shined a light on that for a ton of businesses and a ton of individuals that you can't just have a good enough business. It needs to be excellent, which is point number eight in our, one of our core values, which is excellence is essential. And the last one is being a lifelong student. 
and as these all really start to form together, you start to realize that when you're missing one or two of these in your business, the whole thing kind of starts to crumble. When you're missing one or two of these in your personal life or your relationships, the whole thing just kind of starts to crumble and melt away. So it's really operating from these places and understanding that if we're going to create the new world that's going to drive positive impact at a global scale, you have to have all these together. And I really think that's what the world and even even at the micro level of your local community, I feel like there's a lack of a lot of these key principles, right? We don't know who to trust. We don't have that leader that's willing to stand up and say, this is what's right. This is what needs to be done. We don't have that place of operating from hard discipline. Everybody's looking for the easier magic pill out of it. It's like, well, no, it comes down to those small micro changes that stack up over time. It's insane, man. Uh if, like how many times did you do they reinforce like do you need to learn that or did you just pick it up like just those nine principles um it's something that's reinforced from my own perspective i i don't know how many of the other members could name those <laughs> off as far as like just kind of off it but they're so important to me that i've actually installed them inside of my own business and we've added one or two more to as our own core values as a company and where we're looking to go um, outside, anybody can, any monkey can learn how to run Facebook ads, right? Uh, it's really easy to learn and search on YouTube. Just type it in how to run Facebook ads 2020 for this industry, right? And you'll get a plethora of videos that come out and talk about step-by-step -step how to do it, right? But it's not really serving a lot of business. It's not serving us on a global level for people just to be able to go out and do that. And it's allowed a lot of people just take a one hour YouTube course to be able to go out there and do this and charge absurd amount of money and tarnish the industry as a whole. So really where our mission as a business and a company stems into this is that we're looking to serve small to medium sized enterprises and not just sell them digital marketing, right? We're looking to sell them on an experience throughout the rest of their life as a business owner. Um, so that's part of what kind of separates. And then the last part that Arate has really taught me is how to look at this, how to look at global issues and global problems. And one of the biggest global problems that I see out there is the suicide rate among business owners. And we were kind of hinting at this previously before we hopped live. Um, part of our business that we do is we help connect nonprofits and we help connect business owners to counselors because the suicide rate among small business owners is estimated to around 18%. So next time you go to a marketing event or a, like a networking event, or next time you're in a Facebook group, that's supposed to be all business owners. Think about the fact that about 18% of them on average are going to commit suicide. And a lot of it is high stress, high depressive states. A lot of us are slightly manic, right? We need that high buzz in order to stay active. There's a huge drug and alcohol problem within the business community, especially as you start to make more and more money. You're constantly looking for that next chase. And a lot of that comes down to a bunch of different life choices. And what's ironic and funny is that a lot of mental health counselors need so many nonprofit and pro bono and volunteer hours a year and that they need to go somewhere. Right. So a lot of them do it with schools. A lot of them do it with different charities. But the number one reason small business owners end up committing suicide is that they don't feel like they can talk to somebody that understands their problem. But when we look at what a lot of psychiatrists, psychologists, and mental health practitioners are, a lot of them own their own practice, which means they're small business owners, which means they understand the stresses of cash flow. They understand the stresses that this brings into the personal life and to the business. So let's connect them. Let's serve this. Because how many times have you been into a job role or walked into a company and there's one person in leadership that's toxic? 
right? It affects everybody in the company culture, which means that energy also permeates into their customer base. So by impacting the people up top, we're able to actually impact on a global scale to change the mental health community and really elevate the globe to a higher level. And that's really kind of what we're looking to do on top of just provide digital marketing. Anybody can provide digital marketing. Anybody can look at the neuroscience research like we have and combine them. But what really makes us different is that we're looking to make a global impact because the world demands it out of us. And I think that's that shift. Give me two goosebumps. <laughs> 18%. That's insane. It, it's crazy. It's crazy to think. And those are estimates. So for all we know, it's higher. This is just of what's reported and what we can track. But how many other business owners do you think are out there right now suffering from some type of mental episode? Right? We've all done it. We've all been there. Our business has been totally like head over heels and we can't make money sometimes. And it's so, it's so freaking stressful that people don't know how to cope. So what do they do? They turn to drugs and alcohol or they turn to sex or they turn to, you know, self-destructive behaviors of violence and aggression and just negative thoughts and emotions. Where, where's the community and the thought around that to elevate this and bring this out of a place of, look, it happens. It's part of the job territory that you're going to experience this. Let's make that transition and make a change. I love your mission, man. Thank you. <laughs> love it. And it's so important. Like the world is more divided than ever, but also we're coming together. Like the more and more people yeah. are waking up. I think that's the biggest benefit of social media is how connected we can be. And it's also the biggest liability to us is how connected and personalized it can be. But I think it's, I think it's up to us, especially our generation, right? We're the ones that grew up on this technology. Everybody else has kind of adapted their life into it. It was already ingrained into our life from the beginning, right? And even the generations after us. So how do we stand up and take the charges, the next generation of leaders, the next generation of progressives that are going to move the globe into a society that we need it to be. And I think it's up to us to really take control of that. We can't expect anybody else to. Nobody else is going to step up and play the hero. It's up to us if you feel that calling to do that. And I encourage anybody that has that drive, that has that feeling that they need to step up to the plate, do it because people are going to help you and support you. They're just too afraid to step up on their own. Beautiful so big also for me like for me one of the biggest things is education like if we can fix the education system we'll change so many so many lives like yeah it's pretty fucked up right now the whole education system even just with covid oh it wasn't so secure after all <laughs> so many people are waking up so 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 what would you recommend what could people do that are just starting out of it that already have a few clients but want to take it to the next level would you recommend ads right away or what, what would you recommend i it's funny. I turn against my job first. So if, if somebody has got a few clients, let's say they're making under 10 grand a month, right? That's a, let's say you're making between eight to 10 grand a month. That's a really good sustainable model. If you want to stay small and you really don't want it to get too crazy. If you're one of those people that wants to make six figures plus inside your business and really start to grow that as a sustainable business, that's when we need to start looking at ads. But first, the biggest thing is finding out where your customers are online, if that's the route you want to go, if they're even online. Some industries, it's almost impossible to find their customers online. And if it is, it's in such a small group, it's not worth running ad spend to. 
There's others where it's massive, especially in the coaching industry and coaching field, right? Everybody is online with it. So start small, figure out, and this is so, so freaking cliche, find out what your niche or what your subject is or what that super specific target is. Because once you start to really narrow down, it weeds out a lot of the other stuff that surrounds us. So when we narrowed down into neuromarketing and that's really, we took it from digital marketing into neuromarketing and really separated ourselves. We also separated everybody that we don't want within our business that doesn't align with our core mission and values. So I would look at what are your core values as a company, hire by them, fire by them, operate with your customers by them. Everything you do in your business needs to revolve around your core company values and let it be known that this is what you stand for. People buy off of evangelicalism. So the idea of being an evangel evangelicalist about your business, about your product, right? And to really break that down, it means to bring good news, right? To be evangelical about anything is simply by definition to bring good news to people. So when you're bringing that happiness and bringing that happy obligation and bringing that energy, it's so contagious. It just spreads throughout everything, right? And it comes down to those small one to 2% details. Again, how are you showing up inside your business? How are you showing up to your customers? How are you showing up in your messaging and everything that spans that? That's what I would really start to look at before you spend a single dollar on ad spend. Look at what you can do at those small micro changes because once you start throwing ad spend, once you start throwing marketing dollars at it, it's only going to illuminate everything else that's wrong inside your business, which is great. It tells you where the holes are, but if you don't have the resources of manpower or of finances or of systems and processes, it's just going to crumble. So really focus on what that customer experience, what that employee experience is like, what that experience is like for you as a business owner or co-owner, whatever that looks like figure out how to show up, figure out how to deliver that message. Same, man. I know you're busy. Do you have any last words or anything you want to share? Or would you say that's a good, I'm uh, just, good ending? I'm, su I'm super grateful for this opportunity. It's been so awesome. I love getting to connect with you. Uh, and I'm glad that the handwritten thank you card had a positive impact on your life. That's beautiful, man. You're such a genius, man. I'm definitely thinking about working beyond the scenes probably with you after I finish this partnership up. Um, but yeah, that's it. Let's end it right here because that was beautiful. Cool. Thank, Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Thank you, man. Cool. Speak to you soon. That's uh, Later. right here.